Amen. Verse 13, the Bible says, He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated this evening. There's been times that because I'm human, I went to the pulpit and I was guessing, uh, I was second guessing rather, uh, the direction of the Lord. And that's just God's way of reminding us that we're human. It's God's way of reminding us that without him, uh, we can do nothing. But I come tonight not second guessing anything, but rather I come tonight with a clear word from God. I come with a sure word, a direction for not only this church collectively, but for each individual here today. It goes without saying, but allow me a moment just to reiterate God has surely been good to us. I've come to learn over the past 18 months some of your stories. I've, I've heard your testimonies. I've spent 2019 getting acclimated to this great body of believers. I can say this after hearing all that I've heard and learning of where God's brought you from. I've made up my mind that if you can't praise him for what he's done for you, then I'll praise him for what he's done for you. Because God has been at work in each and every person's life in this church. He's healed people in this building. He's saved people in this building. He's made a way when there was no way for people in this building. I think it'd be fine if we just took a moment and gave God praise for all that he's done for us. For he's worthy of all of our praise. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. I've watched people in this building respond to the Lord in such a beautiful way. We've seen people receive the Holy Ghost last year. We've seen people baptized in the only saving name, which is Jesus Christ. Healing has flowed liberally, both physically and spiritually. God has proven his faithfulness this past year. And I can't say enough good about what's happened around here over the last 14 months. But some time ago, the Lord began to deal with me. And it was almost as if God issued me a spiritual warning. And I stepped to the pulpit tonight to share from you my heart. We must be mindful of this one thing. One of the greatest hindrances to what God wants to do is complacency. It's not the will of God for his people to grow complacent. It goes against the very nature of God. For you must understand that God is not a monument. God is a movement. From the very beginning of Genesis, you'll find where the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord moved. God. 
God is a movement. I've watched many times as people who were once so hungry to grow in God slowly begin to grow satisfied with where they're at and what they have achieved. I submit to you today the only time we should ever get satisfied is when we look beneath our feet and those streets are made of gold and we cross through those pearly gates and we're with the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, until that happens in your life, you should never be satisfied with where you are. I read a quote and I want to submit it for your consideration. Complacency is a blight that saps energy, dulls attitudes, and causes a drain on the brain. The first symptom is satisfaction with things as they are. The second is rejection of things as they might be. Good enough becomes today's watchword and tomorrow's standard. Complacency makes people fear the unknown, mistrust the untried, and abhor the new. Like water, complacent people follow the easiest course, downhill. They draw false strength from looking back. Hear this preacher tonight, there's nothing wrong with looking in the past as long as you don't try to live in the past. Great revivals have been missed because people couldn't accept what God was trying to do because they constantly compare it to what he once did. I remind you of Isaiah 43, 19, when it says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. My friend, listen to what I'm fixing to say. God will change his method without changing his message and we've got to be willing to let God do what God wants to do keeping in mind that souls being saved is what this thing is all about if we ever lose sight of souls then we might as well shut the door I'm fixing to tackle this head, this head on. God did not save us so we could have good church. There are 168 hours in a week. Right now, we go to church five hours. That's, that's, give, that's given a little bit. Five hours in a week. That's only 3% of your week. Five hours out of 168 hours. And if having good church is all you're worried about, then you've got 163 more hours that you've got to be accountable for outside of these walls. My friend, I, I love good church, but you know what? Good church won't produce revival. What happens out there 163 other hours in the week is what's going to make you live for God. It's going to touch people's lives. They're going to see you be the church, and they're going to say, I want what that person has. i got to get to that altar. 
on the first Sunday of 2019, I stood in this pulpit and I preached my passion. Believe, become, and belong. That's still our motto. That's still what I feel is the heartbeat of Wallace Ridge. It doesn't matter who they are. They can believe, they can become, and they can belong. We're not changing that. But here on this on this Sunday in 2019, I want to cast vision for this church. For the Bible says write the vision and make it plain. And when I catch this vision, I'm waging war on the spirit of complacency that would try to capture your spiritual progress. For the Bible says that he will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. Watch this. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. The vision for 2020 can be defined in one word increase because that's what's going to happen in 2020 is God is going to increase us. He's going to increase your family. He's going to increase revival. I bind the spirit of complacency that would try to get a hold of us in this year. And God, lose your blessings in 2020. Clap your hands under the Lord and worship him. Somebody shout, increase. I'm looking at a body of believers that would reach greater dimensions than ever before. Don't settle for where you've been. Don't let complacency grip your spirit. But God is calling you to places in the Holy Ghost that maybe you once were and you backed out of. Or maybe you've never been there before. But God wants you to reach new heights. I read this afternoon, Joshua 14. Caleb was one of the two out of the 12 that gave a good report when spying out the land. Yet he had to endure the 40 years in the wilderness. We find in Joshua chapter 14, Caleb is requesting his inheritance. Verse number 10 says, And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and five years even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to come in. We understand the natural progression in life is that as you age, you get weaker. You decrease in your strength. But watch what God did for Caleb. He said, I'm just as strong at 85 as I was when I went to the promised land at 40. God gave me a taste of what he wanted me to possess. And instead of my strength decreasing as my age went up, God increased my strength. And in verse 14, this is what he says, Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Because there's heights I've never reached yet. There's places I've never been yet. I preached to Wallace Ridge. God's given us a taste, Brother Black.
saying there's another level that we've got to go, God. Increase our desire. Increase our church. Increase our territory. Increase. Somebody shout increase. I preached several weeks ago there's only two types of people. Those that say I wish and those that say I will. Because growth is always intentional. Nobody made me eat fruity pebbles to get this big. Nobody made me, Brother Brandon, eat five cinnamon rolls and a glass of Pepsi to get this big. You don't get a body like this on accident. You choose to eat those fruity pebbles. Had to pray through the other night. I dropped my whole bowl of fruity pebbles on the carpet when I was trying to sit down in the recliner. The only thing that saved me is there was a little bit of milk left in the jug for me to make me another bowl. You're going to choose to grow in God. We can offer prayer meetings. We can have services seven nights a week. We can make everything available to you and resources to help you grow. But I cannot make you grow in God. Nobody can make you grow. You've got to make up in your mind that I want to be closer to God in 2020 than I've ever been before. You have to make up in your mind. God, increase my relationship with you. I'm moving very quickly. Throughout the month, you're going to hear me preaching different ways that God wants to increase in our life. I'm going to give you a brief rundown of some things that God laid on my heart. The first thing we need to do is we need to increase our consecration to God. It's easy to tear up things. It's easy to back up. The curse of this day is convenience. Convenience doesn't increase consecration. It destroys consecration. How? Pastor, how are we going to increase our consecration? We're going to increase it by prayer. Praying. We can all pray more. Let me start with me. We can all pray more. We're going to increase it through fasting. You know what we feel? We feel the result of fasting. You say, well, I'm still eating one meal. Well, you know what? You're fasting too. And all of it is an honor to the Lord to draw closer to God. I can have you fast for 40 days and not eat nothing, but I can pretty much, if I was a betting man, tell you that the fast wouldn't do no good because you'd be so ticked off and hangry for 40 days. If you don't know what hangry is, it's angry because you're hungry. Hangry. So I'd rather do something where we can grow in God through fasting. And then we're going to increase our consecration by getting in his word more. Let me give you a little trick that is, I'm not saying this is, uh, this is just me, okay? What would happen is for every meal that you fasted, instead of eating physical food, you took 10 or 15 minutes and ate some spiritual food. And just read that, read that word. What are you doing? You're replacing a physical meal with a spiritual meal. You're getting that word in you. 
Bible says in Acts 6 and 7, and the word of God increased. Watch this. When the word of God increased, the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So when the word of God increases, disciples multiply. When we're, and we're also going to increase our consecration by conviction. I ask you to do this throughout this year. Find something. Prayerfully, find something that you can put aside to draw closer to God. Something that maybe is taking time and robbing God of that opportunity. It's going to be unique to each of you, okay? But prayerfully do it. Something that you can set aside. It might be for 30 days, 60 days, and you what happened? After 60 days, you may realize that you can live without it. And you may not even go back to it. We are quick to tear down convictions, but we've got to start building and adding convictions in our walk with God. Bible says in Exodus 32, 29, For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Let me tell you one, one way that we need to draw closer to God. I read it in verse 13 of Psalm 115. He will bless them that fear the Lord. You know what we've lost today? The fear of the Lord. Nobody's, you, you read that Old Testament, even reading the New Testament. God is a powerful God. And God does not play around. And just because we're living under this dispensation of grace doesn't mean that God can't execute judgment upon people. We've got to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Why? Watch this. Because he will bless them that fear him. You want the blessing of the Lord? Pray God increase my fear of you. Not a fearful fear, a reverence fear. You don't need to be afraid of God, but you need a reverence and understand who he is. Secondly, we need to increase our outreach. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We cannot all do the same thing, but we can all do something. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God gives the increase. My friend, you may see somebody at the station that you talk to, and somebody else may bring them to church. And somebody else may grab their hand and bring them to an altar. You know what? The person that invited them didn't do it. The person that they came to church with didn't do it. And the person that brought them to the altar didn't do it. Let me tell you who gave the increase. God gave the increase. God's the only one that can fill people with the Holy Ghost. So that means if we're not seeking attention, we better just all get busy doing something to reach people. We can all reach people. I pray that this year you would ask that God would show you who to talk to. If you pray that God would give you an open door, he'll give you an open door. 
excuse me, you have to be sensitive. You have to be sensitive to know who it is and what God is wanting you to do. You pray that God shows you the right way. You pray that God gives you the word. You say, preacher, I don't know what to say. God will give you the right words. I was in the station the other day, and this person started unloading on me all kind of stuff. And I was inclined just to do the, the, the normal deal. Well, we'll pray for you and just walk off. And right there in the station, I said, I want to pray for you right now. I just grabbed their hand and started praying. And tears began to flow in the middle of the station. You know what? That, that, I believe that person's going to walk through those doors. I believe that person's going to come to an altar. And I believe that God's going to give the increase. Be sensitive. God wants to use you. Bible says in Acts 16, 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. By the help of God, we're going to increase our giving. Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 9, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Now this verse is speaking about tithing, but it goes deeper than that. If you want God's increase on your finances, then you've got to first give him the tenth of your increase. In other words, you won't get his increase until he gets your increase. I can say this with a clear mind tonight. This is exactly why I don't look at what people give because it gives me liberty to walk up in this pulpit and not be talking about anybody. There's a reason. There's a method behind my madness. I don't know if you held a gun to my head and said, tell me what I gave last year. Well, I'd probably try to start spitting out numbers, but I probably wouldn't get the right number. God talked more about money than he talked about anything else in the Bible. More about money. And I'm going to say this so everybody can hear me. If you don't tithe, you're not right with God. Tithing isn't about a preacher. It's about you and the Lord. Well, I'm not going to give my money to a preacher. Neither is anybody else. You give it to the Lord. It's between you and God. If, if the preacher drains it and runs off with everything, that's not between you and God. It's between him and God. You want God's blessing on your life and on your finances. You give. Watch this. In Malachi 3 and 8, will a man rob God? That's a question mark, not a period. He's asking, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, where have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Some people think, well, all I got to do is give tithes. Oh, hold on a minute. Hold on. Let's read this again. He said, you robbed me in two places, tithes and offerings. Which shows me that if I don't give tithes and offerings, I'm robbing God. I mean, if you have a different interpretation, you come show me. But that's pretty clear in the Word of God. 
I thank God. I don't have the exact numbers. I'll get it to you. But to my, to my recollection, in our missions given, we gave over $50,000 to missions in 2019. I have a feeling it's a lot more than that. I just I know it's at least that. We've been able to pay off a great chunk on our family life center, and I'll have more numbers for you at our business meeting. But you know what? As much as I would love to think that everybody in here is doing and giving like God would love for them to give, there might be somebody that's not. Might be. I don't know. I say in 2020, if we want to see the increase of God in our finances like never before, we give like never before. I've never been in a financial bind that I couldn't give my way out of. It doesn't make sense in God's economy. In fact, if I were to sit down with people that are in money binds, because I've seen it in businesses and I've seen it in personal, I could always point back to their lack of giving as to why they're in a money bind. Now, how God gives it back to you, you can't control. But God will always give it back. Bible says, cast thy bread on the water, and it's going to come back. It's going to come back. We need to increase the strength of our families. Strong churches don't make strong families. Strong families make strong churches. Parents, let me just say it like this, as plain as I can, as plain as I can say it. If the pulpit doesn't have backing from the parents, it doesn't matter what the pulpit says. There's got to be parents that back the pulpit. You don't need to contradict what the pastor says if he's in line of the word of God. We've got to have parents that say, that's the man of God. He's preaching the truth of the word. God smote me this afternoon in prayer and study. Proverbs 30, 11 says, there is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. Fifty years ago, it'd be hard to imagine this generation because people, it was, it was a different time. You know how you were to your parents 50 years ago when you were raised. But now, I can see why. Because children dislike their parents because their parents have grown selfish. And they're absorbed in their wants, their desires. They're absorbed in media. They're absorbed in social media. They're absorbed in a virtual world. Let me just caution you parents. We better make sure, and I'm speaking to myself, that other things don't get more attention than your children and your family. I read an article. I'm going to read it for you real quick. It's entitled, A Stranger Moved In. A few years after I was born, Dad met a stranger who was new to our town. From the beginning, Dad was fascinated with this enchanting newcomer, newcomer and invited him to live with our family. The stranger was quickly accepted and was with us from then on. I never questioned his place in my family. Mom taught me morals. Dad taught me to obey. But the stranger was our storyteller. He kept us spellbound for hours. He took us to our first major league baseball game. He made us laugh. Though he seemed to never quit talking, Dad didn't seem to care. 
The stranger never felt bound to honor our family's moral code. He used language Dad would never allow me to use. He talked openly about private matters, but while he opposed my parents' values, he was never asked to leave. To the day when I moved off to college, I would find the stranger sitting over in the corner of the living room waiting for someone to listen to him talk and watch him draw pictures. His name, you ask? We call him TV. He has a wife now. Her name's Computer. Their first child is cell phone. Their second child is iPad. That attention that gets all, that you're giving to all types of devices, you hear me. And God smote my heart because it's easy to get on a phone. It's easy to put something in front of your kids just so they'll get out of your hair. But now there's a generation rising up because they were pushed to the side all of their life. They're going to grow up and they're going to curse their father and they're going to hate their mother. Bible says, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you. What we need is God to increase our love as a family. I'm going to push you this year. I'm going to encourage you this year to spend more time with your family than you've ever spent before. And let me just say this. The virtual world is not the real world. The virtual world is who you want people to think you are. Anything that has a delete button and a filter on it is not real. Finally, we need to increase our faith. Bible says in Luke 17 and 5, and the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. The one dimension of your life that is always under attack is your faith because that's the one key that will open all the doors to the supernatural. Therefore, we must continually pray for our faith to be increased. Jesus said in John 14 and 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus was saying, As time goes on, and my power works in people's lives, that it's the will of God for there to be more miracles, more signs, and more wonders. But my friend, when I compare where we are to stories I've heard 50 years ago, I scratch my head and I ask God, how come we're hearing less and less and less instead of more and more and more? I'm praying as pastor of this great church that in 2020, God increases our faith. We're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders in this church. But you're going to lay hands on the sick and you're going to pray the prayer of faith and God's going to raise people up. If you believe it, clap your hands unto the Lord. Sister Joyce, you come on. Stand with me now. I was talking about a pole this morning. They're having the times of refreshing in Odessa, Texas. I think he said they had over a thousand uh, Friday night Somewhere around 1,000 last night. I mean, they're just packing the place out. He said last night, power of God was moving and people was everywhere. And he said there was a, a lady who had fallen out. And, and he just thought she got the Holy Ghost. And 
Somebody was waving at him. And he said, oh, thank God, somebody got the Holy Ghost. Someone ran up to him and said, no, no, she didn't get the Holy Ghost. Since she's having a seizure and she's out in a coma now, she's literally, literally almost dead laying in the aisle. And he said, he said, he said, Bo, I didn't even know I had the microphone up to my mouth. He said, when that lady told me that, I just said, oh, no, that ain't happening while I'm up here. He said, and I marched down to her, and I said, pick her up. He said, she looked dead, laying on the floor. He said, they tried to grab her. She couldn't even stand. She was a limp body. He said, I laid my hand on her head, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you seizure to leave her body. He said, instantly, her eyes opened up, and she stood up straight, and God filled her with the Holy Ghost, and she ain't missed a service yet. I'm talking about miracles, signs, and wonders. It's going to happen. Somebody shout, increase. Job 8 and 7. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. There was a day the gospel came to this area. And if I got a feeling it was probably in a brush arbor many, many years ago, I don't know the exact location. The beginning was small. But you watch what God's going to do because the latter end, he said, I'm going to increase it. Wallace Ridge, we haven't seen the greatest revival that God has for this church. There's backsliders that God's stirring even as I'm speaking right now. I've been praying that the Lord would send angels to their homes to stir their heart. There's going to be people walk through these doors that you're going to scratch your head and go, I'd never have thought in a million years that they'd be at that altar. But God is going to increase. He's going to increase miracles. He's going to increase his mercy. He's going to increase salvation to people. I want you to lift your hands all over this place right now. God increase this year. I want you to increase your power in our life. I want you to increase our faith, Jesus. 